If you're a local government enthusiast who's looking for fresh conversations over a hot cup of morning coffee or tea or while you're driving or walking the dog, you do you. You're in the right place. Welcome to the Local Gov Cafe podcast. Hosted by Susan Gardner and Ann Mitchell, this podcast is devoted to having conversations that matter, covering the full menu of municipal topics. You'll discover guests who bring insight and inspiration to the issues that drive and challenge communities. We'll be talking with leaders in policy, practice, consulting, and academia to put a spotlight on civic government and the people who make it all happen at the local level. Good morning, Anne. Good morning, Susan. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. It's been a very busy, beautiful summer, but I'm really excited about our guest today. Me too. It looks like we're going to have another great chat today in the cafe. Why don't you tell everybody what's on the menu? Well, today we're talking about women in local government with our very special guest, Tanine Ruddick. Tanine is currently the president of Federation of Canadian Municipalities, and Tanine is also a councillor with the town of Vagerville, Alberta, and she is a four-term councillor. So she sat on committees on FCM on women and local government. So we're really excited to have her here to talk with us today. I was fortunate enough to be in Regina when she was announced as the new president of FCM, and I have to say, Tanine, your your speech when you accepted the presidency was inspiring and it absolutely gave me goosebumps and it gave me hope. So welcome to Well, thank you so much for that introduction. I appreciate your kind words. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, we're really absolutely delighted to have you here. And this is not the first time that you and I have had a, a conversation on this topic and connected before. I think you were vice president of the standing committee on women's participation, encouraging women's participation in local government. And it's something I know the three of us here today are all very passionate about and feels really important. So I'm really looking forward to having that conversation today. I appreciate that. It's great to be able to talk again and to be able to work with you women that are working in different roles in municipal government, but so important that we work together. So maybe uh, to kick things off, Anna's described where you're at today, but maybe you can give us a little bit of background about what it was that made you jump into local government. Well, I think timing is always everything. And in, in my particular experience, my initial push into municipal government was, was just that. I was asked if I would run. I'd been a busy community volunteer and the timing was right. I'd had a a bit of a a health push. I have MS, so I'm not shy to share that piece of information. And I thought, if I don't do it now, I don't know if I'll be able to in the future. And being asked at that time and transitioning from being a volunteer to being a counselor seemed like a natural transition for me. I grew up in a very political household, very interested in my community, and it was the right time. I just have a question to add to that, Tanine. It's really interesting to me, and I watched a few of your interviews before, and you did mention often that women seem to 
need to be asked. It's something that normally they don't often consider it unless they're asked about it. So did you want to expand on that? Or have you found that when you've talked to other women in local government, that that's a trend? It is. And it, and for myself too, even um, deciding that I would run for first vice president for FCM last year, and then continuing on to the presidency, it was a case of being asked again and discounting it first, and then thinking about it and acknowledging that no, this is a good position for me. I do have something to say and that this will be a good fit for me and I have nothing to lose but to try. And for a lot of women, it doesn't matter what the position is. We often discount our own abilities and our talents before we allow other people to do it for us. And unfortunately, that might be a societal issue. I I couldn't necessarily put my finger on it, but I tried in my own personal spheres to encourage other women to run. And the push that we worked on our Towards Parity project with FCM was doing just that, encouraging women to put their names forward to run, encouraging them to, to win and giving them the tools to do that. So we wanted them to lead and we wanted them to stay. And so the hashtag was run, win, lead but we wanted people to be able to stay in those positions of power once they so justly earn them because it's a hard job. So being able to discount all of those doubts and some of them are are very practical doubts, you know, family and personal and professional concerns dissuade us from taking on these very public service roles. And particularly now it's, it's ever more confronting and people aren't as kind as they used to be. No, I certainly think we've lost our civility and I had a colleague when I worked in Ontario, and she was asked to be the regional director of the Ministry of Transportation. But it was very similar. She was asked, she didn't consider it. And I find that that an int- that's a very interesting phenomenon. How do we break that? I don't know. And I, I, I do think it's, it's by lifting each other up. That's really one of the most important things. There was a campaign provincially in Alberta that was Ask Her, And that really was kind of our push when we were on, I was on the Alberta Urban Municipalities Association Board at that time. And that was kind of our push at that time is ask and encourage at least two women in our communities to run. And that is the very basic part of it is supporting one another and encouraging one another and making it possible and also encouraging our colleagues, our male colleagues to save space for us too. So you've been on the FCM board for a while now. So tell us about your personal experience and your professional path and the growth that you experienced through this Federation of Canadian Municipalities. Well, my first experience with FCM is maybe not a start, but Vegreville had had a a really challenging experience with the federal government. Our major employer was all of a sudden given notice that employees were going to lose their position. It was the Immigration Case Processing Center. We were losing 10% of our employment overnight. We weren't consulted as a municipality. We were never told. And that really lit a fire under us as a community. And for me personally, too, to be able to advocate to our provincial associations, both the Rural Municipalities Association of Alberta and Alberta Municipalities, and then going to FCM and making those phone calls to the Rural Forum and reaching out literally to elected officials from across the country and getting their endorsement and their support, and then carrying that resolution to annual conference and realizing firsthand how important it is that as Canadians, we're able to find issues that unite us. And it might be a small issue in Beggarville, but it really isn't. If it could happen here in Beggarville where we weren't consulted, it could happen anywhere. And it's really important. A great part of the Canadian Federation is understanding that we're not the same 
we don't need to be, but we need to be able to listen and understand that our issues are different, but sometimes they're very same. So in that instance too, is being able to relate to one of my colleagues who's on the board right now from rural Quebec or from Northern Ontario or from an urban BC riding and being able to advocate effectively and understanding how effective the role of FCM is and how much it means to municipalities across the country and how much it changes the lives of Canadians really drove home the the point for me is that municipal government is important. It's an important role. And FCM is a great vehicle to be able to carry that pragmatic problem-solving attitude that we use in, in local government every day to the federal government to find solutions that make people's lives better. That's interesting too. And I find FCM is very uniting too. I do think that One of the things, uh, and I often um, cheekily refer to it as the F word, is federation. There's some tension in that relationship always. I mean, it was when we were founded as a country, particularly now when we've had some good reminders of how our country was founded and our relationship with Indigenous people and how we arrived on our land, that we're at a point where we need to be very conscious of who we are as Canadians, who we have living here, how we got to this point, and making sure that we we do find those things that unite us and be proud of the things that we do well, acknowledge the things that we are not good at, and be very conscious about the things that we need to do better in the future. And that includes, exactly as you highlighted, having that ability to be able to look across the country in every corner and find some things that we hold in common and that we value. Again, I will say that the municipal local government level is really good at finding collaborative solutions. Not that idea that somebody wins or loses, but we're working for community. And I think Canadians really appreciate that right now, particularly because politics can be very divisive. And we are, in general, a level of government that really understands what communities need. Yeah, we are government closest to the people. And I think most 90% of the people that are involved in local government are extremely passionate about it. And they care about their communities. You're exactly right. That's why they get involved. Mm-hmm. Janine, uh, as you said, there's a lot of challenging issues right now. And maybe you can just elaborate on the role of FCM now in dealing with those challenges and you know how you see that going into the future, what that means for the future for FCM and for municipalities in general. For sure. We've emerged or we're still in the process of recovering from the pandemic, and it brought huge challenges to FCM members. Um, but also inspiration. It was truly inspirational watching some of our members really rally together and dig down deep and find solutions in some of the most challenging circumstances. They got together, they understood what needed to happen in their community, and they kept their communities and Canadians safe. So there were great opportunities and challenges. And on the, the local level, we were visually witnessing some of the things that our communities have always faced but also found some of the solutions and provided those to the federal government. So we were the solution providers in a lot of cases. And for that reason, too, we're leading the national response and the recovery. And as president, I really view that as an important thing to remember. We're in this together. And when we listen to one another, we're going to be able to 
bring our country to the future that we we so richly deserve. Some of the things too that I think that we played a key role in and some of the solutions that we were able to do is some really important advocacy work in terms of infrastructure funding, really putting some focus on the safe restart agreements that the federal government provided to local governments across the country. We also were able to really drive home the importance of the Universal Broadband Fund, investing in that. It was so important for people that were working and studying at home. It finally brought home the point that we've been talking about for years, particularly in rural and remote settings in Canada, but for everybody, whether you live in a city or a county, and we needed to be able to connect via computers. The Rapid Housing Initiative acknowledging that people need to have a safe place to lay their head at night, uh, as well as support for abandoned oil and gas wells, making sure that we had economic drivers in our communities. And those are just a few of the examples that we were able to effectively partner with the federal government. And that's really a testament to the strength of our local leadership and our relationship with the federal government. I think it's really quite incredible how You know, over maybe the past decade or so, the relationship with the federal government has been strengthened through FCM. And, you know, talking about partnership with partnership with the federal government, that's not something we maybe there was some consultation, but usually through those provincial organizations on a province by province basis. And certainly that piece is still important. But to talk about having a national partnership between municipalities and the federal government, that's so critical. And talking about improving things across the country, it's really quite an accomplishment. I agree. And I'm really proud to be able to showcase the great examples of local leaders across the country. And again, it really is every corner of the country has some great examples of people that are taking meaningful steps in their local communities to improve the lives of not just their community, but really Canada. I mean, we're talking about some really challenging times. There's been fires and floods and droughts in the last year on top of a pandemic. So we've had some real challenges and we're not out of the woods, not by a long shot. But I, I do think that FCM already plays a meaningful role and the shift in the importance of municipalities in terms of the Canadian governance of our communities is going to be incredibly important as we continue to move forward. So the way that we do that is continuing to empower our local cities and communities and make sure that the outcomes that we deliver are tangible and they're driven by the local needs and they're also measurable. They're common sense decisions and we're empowering municipalities to to build a better Canada. That's really well said, Tanine. And the reason why Susan and I started this podcast is because I did some research on local government. And I realized through my career that there's so much that people don't understand about communities. So my kind of mandate was to more educate everybody on what local government does. And Susan also said, we need to also celebrate the innovation of local government too, and local government leaders. And that's what we're trying to do with this podcast, have a platform to celebrate and educate. So we're really happy you're sharing your thoughts with us. So tell us a little bit about what you think are challenges and opportunities for as a woman in politics. Well, this is a big question, one that I think about all the time and actually, again, was reminded of this week, the importance of lifting each other up. I had a a phone call from a male colleague, actually, that asked me to reach out to a fellow mayor that had really been struggling. And it was kind of a, a situation of a young female mayor trying to break the stereotypes and establish a new council. 
And there are always dynamics. When you've worked at administration, you knew old council and new council coming together is a bit of a, a shift anyways, having an election in the midst of a pandemic, like we didn't hear in Alberta last fall. It was a pretty angry, contentious group of voters and a pretty angry, contentious group of candidates as well. And just speaking with this mayor, encouraging her to keep doing what she's doing. There are resources available, very practical, pragmatic solutions that are offered through municipal affairs in Alberta, for example. We've got mentors that you can call and have that discussion about how exactly to govern in these very challenging times. Then on the other part of it, we need to have people in our families and our homes that are supportive of us. We need to have people in our communities that are supportive and uplift us. And we also need to have a system that's supportive. So what that means is that we need to be compensated. That's always a challenge, particularly because the majority of elected officials are largely doing it as a volunteer basis. So we're not getting wealthy by any stretch of the imagination by the work that we do. And at the same time, we're getting vilified for very practical day-to-day decisions that a lot of people aren't aware about. And the things that get people really angry sometimes are, are really shocking to me. Things that actually make their lives better, they just assume are always going to be there. And it's so the day-to-day important things that we do. I mean, if we didn't have clean drinking water tomorrow, that would be a huge problem. And that's one of the things that we talk about, you know, that's important for those people that are living in Indigenous communities or when they had an issue up in Nunavut. We need to do a better job of making sure that people have the basics in their in their day-to-day life. And that's what our job is as local leaders. The one thing I would say too, is that, um, Because of social media, people have access to us 24-7. And this year is the first time that I've considered getting a restraining order against somebody that was particularly aggressive in my messages. And I thought, I don't need to be afraid of doing my job and speaking my mind. I have another colleague, a male colleague that reminded me that you need to be hard on the issues and easy on the people. And I have always said that. If we want to debate issues, I'm good with that. If you make it personal, I'm not okay with that. Don't target me. Don't target my husband. Don't target my kids. They are not part of this role. And I think we've gotten to that place where people think they have a right to be able to be personally attacking. And it has nothing to do with actual political issues and decision making. So I guess at its basic, I think we need respect. We need energy and enthusiasm. And when we see it in other people, especially female elected officials, we need to nurture that. We need to encourage that energy to stay high. And also acknowledge that we're perfectly imperfect. We're fallible. We make mistakes and we're not expected to be the highest point of uh, achievement. We're growing and we're learning. And that's part of what we're doing too, is we're making decisions. I live in this community too. So I'm trying to make decisions that I'm going to be happy with. I guess at the end of the day, as female politicians, there can be no doubt that the public is incredibly hard on us. And I just would remind each of us to have respect and decorum and civility. And if you have an issue, pick up the phone. I have no problem with you having a concern with me. I'll talk about those decisions openly and honestly, but there needs to be a proper way to do that. Well said. That's great advice and really a powerful statement about keeping the personal versus the issue separate. And I'm very sorry that you've had that experience and that women who step into these roles continue to have these experiences. We talked a little bit before about how we can encourage more women to get involved in local government. Maybe you can tell us about some of the programs that FCM has that are working to do just that. Well, we try to offer 
very tangible solutions. And so a lot of our communities across the country offer campaign schools. And one of the resources that we do offer is an online access to all of the resources. So if candidates want to run, we've got a lot of our resources on our website, our FCM website. So I'd encourage anybody that's listening to be able to go on there. We've got a section called Municipal Elections in Canada, a guide for women candidates. And it kind of has all of those things from literally how to start a campaign, how to fund a campaign, because that's an important part too, is being able to get the resources and the support to be able to launch a campaign. We also do the other part too, is uh, we offer Canadian women and municipal government scholarships supporting secondary school uh, CEGEP students as well, who are contributing to their school leadership, as well as post-secondary, post-doctoral scholarships as well. And reading those applications, my goodness, it is absolutely gobsmacking how amazing the future looks. I'm always inspired by reading these high school students and doctoral students. It's amazing what the future is going to hold. So we do offer those scholarships as well. Right now we have also Canadian women in local leadership. It's the Can Will is the current iteration of our support. It's to foster gender parity and more diversity on municipal councils. So there's projects that are funded across the country, usually uh, in smaller pockets to be able to spread out that money and make sure that the impact is felt throughout the country, not just in one area. But we also do gender equality and women in local government programs outside of the country as well, and sort of use our Canadian experience to be able to encourage women in other countries as well to be able to use that. And we've got some support from the federal government to be able to do that. And five countries that we've been working on that lately is Benin, Cambodia, Ghana, Sri Lanka, and Zambia. And that is specifically the partnerships for municipal innovation, women in local leadership programs. So really proud of that, as well as um, a program in Tunisia, uh, the Inclusive Municipal Leadership Program. That is great. I was hopeful after I did my research in local government, there's so many young people entering it and are passionate about it. And I have seen a shift on councils and the faces of council, I believe is generally changing. So I have hope for the future. That's what we need. So Tanine, can you tell us about a woman or women who inspired you and why did they inspire you through your life? Well, I would be remiss if I didn't mention my mom. That would be the very first mentor and my sister. I grew up in a small house with big personalities. And part of that trio of influential people would be my dad too. So he would be the one that was the most encouraging of all three of us women that he had the good fortune to live with. I've also been extremely fortunate to work with counselors on my first term, one of whom was the one of the, the askers when I first ran. Jenny and Natalia are great colleagues and great friends, completely different styles of municipal leadership, which really encapsulates what we are too uh, on local councils is that there's not one type of female counselor. We are a wide range, and those two women really showed me the importance of doing your homework, as well as being pragmatic decision makers, being educated and connected to the community in two very different ways. And again, really drove home the point that you can be extremely different people and have a same goal. We're going to get there. We might come from different backgrounds, but getting to the actual root of the problem or the solution is the same, that we we love our community. So that was a very important first step for that part of my municipal journey. And I also want to mention Bev Esslinger too, 
who is a city of Edmonton councillor who was on FCM for a different reason too. She is one of those that really understands the importance of building community. So she, during her time as an FCM board member, would encourage us in the Metro Edmonton area, and Vegreville is a bit of a stretch, but we would get together as female elected officials and just sort of commiserate, bring somebody else the next time, bring somebody from a neighboring reserve or county to come with us so that we could go there and lay down some of the, the nasties that are happening in our community and be able to leave feeling better. And the really important part that Bev showed me too is the importance of friendship and loyalty, but also making sure that you're taking care of yourself too. So that important part of your mental health and taking time for yourself because this is a hard job and you need to be able to, a bubble bath isn't going to cut it. Sometimes it's actually taking a break from social media and not being available. I'm not a lifesaver. I'm not a doctor that's going to restart your heart when it stops. And if you're really that upset about the road, I actually don't fix it. So I'll hear your concern tomorrow. So that kind of pragmatic approach too is really important. So I'll just mention those, although I've had the good fortune of having so many inspirational women that I've been able to work with. And, you know, I think that support network is so very, very important, very important. I did notice another female mayor that I just mentioned on LinkedIn the other day, they were actually taking a break from social media. And I do think that's critically important. You did mention earlier, too, uh, I just want to touch upon that nasty piece. And it's really unfortunate because really the public needs to see municipal councils wrestling with those hard decisions. And that's really important. But it's also important that once we step away from that table, that we go back to civility. And I'm really glad that you underlined that. Yeah, I think for me, that's one of the the best parts of this type of leadership and this type of decision making is that we throw all of those ideas on the table. And it isn't a case of I win or you win. Our community wins when we're able to take a little bit of all of our ideas. And that to me is one of the things that particularly right now too, is that we can be, we can be the leaders in local government to other orders of government and, and demonstrate this is our powerful role. We can be political without being partisan. And it's important. It's important for our communities. It's important for us as people to stop denigrating each other and treating each other vilely. We can disagree, but we don't need to be mean to each other. And at its very basic level, I can't imagine some of the things that people send on social media if they were reading them out loud. I mean, I, I kind of laugh about talk show host that reads the, the tweets out loud. It's funny, but it really isn't. And yeah. people have no problem saying those things with their name attached to it. So again, I want to raise the bar, raise the level. We really do need to be better. I know we can do it, but we have to do it. It's great that you're setting such a good leadership example. We need more of that. And as we get ready to wrap up, we're coming into municipal elections this year in a lot of parts of Canada uh, this fall. And I wonder if you have any words of wisdom or advice to impart, not just to uh, women who are running, but also men, all candidates running for office for local government. What's your advice to them? I would, first of all, thank them for putting their names forward because obviously we're never all going to win, but it's an important part of democracy. And I, I think people have gotten confused sometimes about what actually a democratic society includes. There are rights and responsibility to participating. And the very first step is the ability to be able to put your name forward and offer yourself as an option. So I encourage diverse candidates. I thank them for putting their names forward because it's not an easy first step. The other part I would say is that you're stepping into one of the most exciting 
challenging times ever as, as a world community. So the opportunities that you referenced, I mean, really at this point, we've got the opportunity to be able to change our communities in a way that we never have had the opportunity before. We offer ourselves forward as local government, as partners and solution makers, and the ability to build stronger, more inclusive communities is a reality. We are able to be able to provide resilience in a way that is only possible because we've faced challenges. And our opportunity as local leaders is to be able to tackle some of the biggest national issues uh, like the housing crisis, like ever-changing climate, as well as the very real recovery that people need in their community, both economically as well as personally, uh, as we be able to look forward to the future with enthusiasm and excitement, our local leadership is going to be the most important it's ever been. Well said. Thank you so much, Janine. It's been a real pleasure talking with you today. Thank you for coming and sharing with us. And it really does give me hope when we have leaders like you, and especially in your new position. So thank you for your time. I know it's very valuable. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for asking me. I always love to talk about local government and being able to uh, represent the inspirational leadership that I see across the country is just a true honor. And I'm thrilled to be able to carry the voice of Canadian leaders and local governments across the country to the federal government and find solutions as we work forward together. Thanks for joining us in the Local Gov Cafe. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to share it on social media or tell a friend. And we hope you'll join us next time as we welcome our next guest. You won't want to miss it.